0: Baruch Hashem, you're a bad Jew.
1: Shalom. Hey, it's you again. Welcome back to another episode of Bad Jew, the place where there is no such thing as a bad Jew. With me today is Lorelai Laura Lorelai, welcome to the podcast. Uh, we have a very interesting subject matter that I'm really excited to explore that isn't talked about ever. Welcome to
0: the podcast. How are you today? Baruch Sham, I'm great. I'm so happy to be here with you today, Chaz. It's an auspicious day.
1: Thank you. I, I, I'm excited for the opportunity too, and there's a lot here to explore, and I think we have some good subject matter to cover. So with that, as you know, we have a right of entry out of this podcast, the 4-Minute Bad Jew Challenge, where you tell your life story in four minutes. Are you ready?
0: I am, but you're going to have to tell me when my time is up.
1: Because I'm not so- going to interrupt. I'm not going to interrupt you. That's actually something I, I make sure to do is like, we, we keep
0: it within four minutes, but I'm all, It's like, if it goes a little over,
1: it goes a little over. I try to keep within four minutes. You're going to be fine. You're going to do great. I'm going to have the timer on my shoulder here. So, Echad, Shtayim, Shalosh, Yala.
0: Yala, Abdallah. Hello, everybody. I'm Laura Kud, and I am a Jewish astrologer. That means I'm Jewish and an astrologer, and I do Jewish astrology. And which is not the same thing as regular astrology in every single way, which we'll talk about more later. And my story of my life is very long, but to shorten it, I was born in a galaxy far, far away in the very, very waning days of the analog life that we used to have a long time ago. And I started getting interested in astrology when I was about 12 years old. A friend of mine bought me a book that was a New York Times bestseller at the time called Linda Goodman's Sun Signs. And I read it. I was intrigued and I started doing my own chart and everybody else's chart. I could get my hands on. And this was back in the day before personal computers where you had to actually use an ephemeris and a compass and probe to figure out people's charts. And I was fascinated by it. And I became a professional astrologer concurrently with many, many other careers, including a long career in media and media production television radio etc so there was always these two concurrent tracks that my life was running down and in 2007 I made Aliyah to Israel and when I got there I started telling people I was an astrologer and they were like in Masali Israel we don't believe in astrology this is wrong on one hand on the other hand they would come to me on the down low and say, I know I'm not supposed to ask, but tell me about my mazal, my constellation. So I immediately came up against this ambiguity in the from or religious Jewish community where people knew that there was a connection, but they had been told by the establishment, so to speak, that it wasn't so kosher. And I started learning about Jewish astrology there in Israel with rabbis, Kabbalists, Shall not be named because the real ones don't go around announcing who they are. And I came back from Israel in 2000, 2014 and went to grad school at GTU, a Graduate Theological Union, where I got my master's degree in Jewish studies, and I wrote my thesis it's called Yeishmazal LeIsrael: Astrology in Jewish Cultural History. And my research showed me that far from what everybody thinks, astrology has been an ubiquitous and normal part of Jewish life since antiquity up until the eve of World War II. And later, maybe I'll tell you what happened in World War II that made that like not a normal thing. But how do we know this? We know this because we have thousands and thousands and thousands of examples of material Jewish objects from antiquity, maybe starting with uh, Jewish horoscopes that were found in the Dead Sea Scrolls, the Cairo Geniza, um, all of these representations of Jewish astrological symbolism, the 12 tribes as related to the 12 constellations that we have on material objects like, for instance, Torah crowns, Torah dresses, or, you know, the, the cloths that they use to wrap a Torah in the walls and the floors and the ceilings of synagogues. You have astrological motif paintings, calendars, regular household of Emirate. There's just so, so, so many examples of these material objects that date all the way back to the simple second temple era that are full of astrological symbolism and have blatant astrological um, signs and symbols and everything else written upon them, that it's literally impossible to look at all that on one hand and then look at this one line in the Shulchan on the the code of Jewish law that says you should not inquire of an astrologer or one who throws lots, per, as in per end. Right, That's was it's uh, it's a divination technique. So if this, then that. Why do we say in Israel? There is no Masal. There's no Masal is a constellation. There's no constellation for Israel. On one hand, and then we have our great sages like Abraham Ibn Ezra and Bar hia and others who tell us that the constellation for Israel is actually Aquarius, and today happens to be Rosh Chodesh shvat the month of shvat it's the first day of the month of shvat rosh Chodesh means the head of the month and shvat is the constellation or mazal of aquarius even though the sun is still in Capricorn, and aquarius won't start until the 20th solar aquarius so i'm talking about two different things the solar calendar in january february march blah 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 and the hebrew calendar which is also 12 months, unless you get like this is a leap year. Seven out of every 19 years of the 19 year metonic cycle are leap years. So if you put them together, take 19 years of the solar calendar and 19 years of the Hebrew calendar and you put them on top of each other, you see that there's actually 36 different celestial combinations of the galaxy, meaning that if you were born today on Rosh claude Schlott, but the sun was still in Capricorn, you'd be a Shvat Capricorn. If you were born this year after the 20th of uh, January, between January 20th and February 10th, you would be a Shvat Aquarius, which people would think of as normal, Shvat and Aquarius being the same, right?
1: Sure thing. And the only reason why I'm holding the word time out here is because it within this four-minute challenge of telling your life story we kind of got into the subject matter here oh, there's, David, a of, there's, a of, there's a lot of, there's a lot of this, oh, no, no. you're you're totally fine there's a lot of numbers and words being thrown at me that are i'm kind of getting a little bit lost in. It. i want to make oh, okay. sure that uh me and the audience can can learn this together here this is exciting stuff though this is really cool so in terms of me asking in terms of the question do jews believe in astrology the answer isn't yes it's duh and and so th- this is just me summarizing what i understand so far the answer is duh And the second thing is that, I mean, especially if we have a lunar calendar, we can't ignore the stars either.
0: But we have a solar calendar. We have a lunar calendar, but it's corrected by the sun. Because the whole thing with the Jewish calendar is no matter what else happens, Passover has to be in the spring. That's why we have the whole system that we have. If we had a purely lunar calendar, it would be like the Islamic calendar, which just goes by the moon, which goes... Backwards, so to speak. So oh, there's no correctiveness to
1: it. Yeah. Understood. Okay. So we, so we have, a, I've never even heard of our time okay. being counterbalanced by the sun and the moon. I've never heard that before. That relationship is not talked about very often. But I want to, I want to backtrack because you said something very interesting about your journey in Israel. Why is the subject matter of astrology taboo? Because
0: I'll tell you why. The, this would not be, have been true if we were talking about. Any Jewish community, any normative Jewish community prior to the Holocaust wouldn't have been true. In fact, astrology was a a subject that was studied in the yeshivas of medieval Ashkenaz. It's discussed in depth in the Talmud. The, The rabbis of the Talmud learned astrology so that they could teach it. But what did they learn? They learned what we would call Hellenistic astrology, meaning Western astrology, as differentiated from... Eastern astrology, so we're only really talking about the Western tradition, which came from Babylon, which got its information from Egypt and Babylon, Greece. So when you read on a horoscope today and any normal horoscope or anything, it's talking about quote unquote Western astrology. So we took that tradition, which existed way before we did, because... Sometimes in the Talmud, it's called the, you know, the art or the science of the Chaldeans and remember Avraham or what his first name was called Avram or of the Chaldees. There are many Midrashic stories about, about the lifestyle that was lived there and astrology was a big part of it. So if Abraham was the first Jew, obviously astrology existed before us. We didn't invent it. We just brought it into the Jewish tradition and... Jewified it. Okay. That's maybe a funny word, but we made it Jewish by integrating the principles of it into our tradition and finding ways to differentiate it from non Jewish astrology. For instance, there, if, as an astrologer, I'll just give you two really major examples. In what you would call regular astrology it's like what's your sign what's your sign everybody wants to know what your sun sign is in jewish astrology the rising sign or the ascended is actually more important than the sun sign or it's more it it get it's looked at by an astrologer more closely and predominantly than the sun sign there's a whole discussion about which is more influential the sun or the hour of the day you were born, the hour meaning the rising sign, planetary hours. This is a discussion in the Talmud where the rabbis first are saying there's no Mazali Israel, and then then they spend pages discussing how there is. That's typical Talmudic behavior. So we look at the rising sign and the planetary ruler of the chart, which is the planet that is associated with the sign of the rising or the ascendant. And then we also have a huge emphasis on the lunar no- notes, the north-south lunar notes, which are referenced in our book, the Sefer Yetzirah, which is our foundational work of Jewish mysticism. It's the tali, the dragon, and the it's looked at it's a, it's looked at in Jewish astrology as the Tikkun point, it has to do with the Tikkun of your neshama of your soul why are you here? Why did you come into this world? What's your job? What are you supposed to be doing? This particular point in the horoscope is very sensitive and Jewish astrology teaches about how to deal with that in ways that I'm going to say regular, secular, Hellenistic, whatever astrology does it. So those are two of several many, I'm going to say, market differentiators that Jewish astrology came up with. Because one thing about When we take any of the sciences that are done by other nations, we have to, and we've done this with everything, all the sciences have to find a way to make it relevant to us. So, of course, the 12 tribes are associated with the 12 signs and the 12 months of the year, Mm -hmm. et cetera. And it's all over. You just have to, once you see it, you can't unsee it.
1: Right, right. And one thing that you that you made mention of before is that there's thirty-six
0: constellations. Now we can't help but Not draw in the connection. Combinations. Combinations, excuse there's me. Celestial combinations when you overlay the two calendars.
1: Right. And it's thirty six twelve signs.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And and thirty-six is divisible of twelve. So I'm just I'm just thinking about these these different numbers. I mean the, the the Gematria, the study of the numbers, we're gonna do an episode about this in the future with, with a Guests, yeah, so by the way, if you know of any guests out there, of any listeners who, if you know of anyone that specializes in the study of Gematria, please tell them to email badjupod at gmail.com. We'll have a conversation to get you on the show. Anywho, numbers are an incredible study here in the Jewish world, whether it's uh Kabbalistic or just basic Torah study, but here, especially from the Kabbalistic perspective, what what part does that play? When studying the stars?
0: Lamed Vav. So that's, you know, Lamed Vav is in the Lamed Vavniks, 36 righteous individuals. So it's an important number in Jewish thought. It's 12 times three, which is because when you, again, when you do that thing with the calendar, you literally get 36. So why? Why is there 36? It's some. Is, is God giving us a little joke, jokey there saying, look, there's 36. It's, it's okay. It's righteous. It's It's a sadistic thing to do to understand your own missile. That's what I do as a Jewish astrologer. I work with people, individuals, and then I work with groups, different things, but mostly I work with individuals on their own needle chart to help people understand themselves better. That's really my forte is it's a very intimate thing. Usually I don't know the person I'm working with at all, which is much better for me because if I know you, I'm going to have to figure out a way to block out everything I know about you so I can look at your chart and get a good reading. And what is
1: that? What is that chart exactly?
0: Oh, it's a natal chart. It's the, it's a visual representation of where all of the planets, the asteroids, and these theoretical mathematical symbols that we use in astrology are at the date and the time and the place that you were born. And it's calculated using, well, now I use a computer program, but when I started, I had to use an ephemeris, which is a book that has all of a very, very thick book like this big that has all of the planetary positions for the last 200 years in it. And yeah, chart is very a unique visual representation of your of the moment that you stepped onto the stage and it was lights, camera, action when you were born.
1: Fascinating. It, it's yeah. It's and, and 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 something you mentioned as well is that something happened in World War II, yeah. at the start of the Holocaust. So why exactly did the study of astrology stop because of World War II?
0: Okay, so Chaim Soloveitchik wrote a book called Rupture and Reconstruction, in which he addressed this question broadly, not having anything to do with astrology, but astrology is one of the things that was lost during World War II, the normativeness of astrology. Because if you think about that, six million Jews were killed, Jewish community Jewish identity and what was considered normative was lost at that time. So let's just say, and not a lot of older people survived the Holocaust, right? So let's say you're a teenager, God forbid, and you went through the Holocaust, you got out of Bergen-Belsen or wherever, and you got together with your other young Jewish friend survivors, and you were like, I don't remember how to keep kosher exactly do you remember what did your mother do? Because when I was growing up, we didn't read the Shulsan orat to figure out what was kosher. I knew it was kosher by hanging out in my mother's kitchen and her mother's kitchen. It's called, it, in Solovitch Springs, it's called mimetic communal norms. Mimetic as in mimicking, communal as in the community norm. So what's the norm for a community prior to World War II was not What is written? It was not text based. It was community based. What was normal for that community? You know that different Jewish communities all over the world keep different traditions, right? Some people, some communities, uh, you know, only wait one or two hours after between a meat and milk meal, and some wait six. So, what's normative for a community, right? That's one thing. It was normative for communities to have objects that were decorated with astrological motifs that were simple home objects for use, like a calendar, and sacred objects like a Torah crown or a Torah dress or a synagogue wall or something like that. So it wasn't just, it was so normative that that we have in, at the Center for Jewish Art in Jerusalem, they have thousands of examples of this. You can go on a website that they have, the Center for Jewish Art's website, and search by iconographical subject and put in any of the zodiac signs, and you'll get hundreds of hits of pictures of everything from all the things I mentioned before to, you know, decorated magillas and sitters and 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 prayer books what could be holier than a prayer book if there's a Mazal israel if it's so forbidden why are there pictures of zodiacs whole zodiacs in prayer books That you know we we it's a vocabulary thing from like religious orthodox jews don't really like that term but we're using these and if it was so forbidden why is it in there right it's so yeah. what's that the com- that we used to know that it was a regular thing that our communal memory was wiped out during World War II and then afterwards what happened to Judaism afterwards is that we don't have our elders around anymore to tell us how we normally did things. What do we have? We have text. Baruch Hashem, we have our text. We have the Shulchan Aruch. We have all of our Sforim. We have all of these different texts. Oh, here in this text, in this one line, it says do not inquire of astrologers or those who, who throw lots that is taken as just as is now after world war II. So people started thinking, well, they shouldn't even know or inquire, ask questions about astrology. So they don't. And that's what, but yet they know because they see, especially if they've seen any of these, these, these visual examples, they know, that we have a tradition, but they don't know what it is, so they stay away from it. You know, what I'm, what I'm remembering right now, what
1: you reminded me of is that in a previous episode we did with Roz Rothstein, who is the CEO of Stand With Us, Roz talked about how her parents were Holocaust survivors and how after, you know, after the Holocaust, you know, being born into it, she was aware of the concept, but only until a later age did she really know what her parents went through. And it's because her parents wanted to protect her from knowing about the traumas that they went through. Right, And what occurred to me just now, I mean, obviously, the number of 6 million deaths has been a hard-hitting trauma for our people across the world. Absolutely. And it's something that has been a, a detriment and, and a hard memory to hold on to with Deep Lesson. But I think the one thing that you've really illustrated here to what you're saying that has really resonated with me is the fact that we had are we probably, as a Jewish people, at the peak of our wealth. And by wealth, I'm not talking about money. I'm actually talking about wisdom and knowledge. Right before the Holocaust, we had an oral tradition that was passed down from generation to generation in -hmm. this incredible way. And because of Hitler's efforts with the Third Reich, we lost so much. And so I think that's something we forget so much is that we're not just losing the life of, you know, the individual, six million at that. We also lost so much wisdom was passed down in this wonderful beautiful way how tragic that is that we lost that and so now is jewish astrology is it coming back is it back in style or is it still taboo what what is what is this current state of this i don't know
0: about style it's definitely back i my life's work is kind of about bringing it back into a normative Relationship with the Jewish community. I don't want people to just go, "Oh my God!" And I also have to say that, you know, I'm a I I have many many clients who are are religious, or self identified Orthodox from and from from birth people who are my clients, but I totally advertise by word of mouth. Like they tell other people around about me. It's always like I want to know, but don't tell anyone because you know. If my community knows I'm talking to an astrologer, my son won't get a shit kind of thing.
1: But well, why is but there why is there so much shame around it still? I don't understand that.
0: There's a lot of shame because of people who don't understand our Masora, our our tradition, and don't understand how prevalent it was, and also because people feel that it has to do with divination, which is always a word that scares people, and it does. It's not used that way. I don't do divination. I'm not gonna tell you what's when you, a person is going to die, god forbid, Loalenu, pa pa pa. I talk about weather, emotional weather. Do you know I mean literal weather was the subject of probably 70% of all astrological forecasts in the ancient world. Why? Because weather is all we care about. Will our crops die? Will our crops grow? Will we have a harvest? Think about it. So weather forecasting was done with astrology. Even there's something called brontological forecasting, which is the kind of forecasting they used to do with thunder and lightning, which is crazy. And I don't understand it at all. But if you think about divination, most of the questions that people would want to know what have to do with are we going to be alive next year <laughs> are we going to have something to eat so this was basically the topic that was really really out there but then people wanted to know things maybe that they shouldn't know or whatever so there there's the there's the idea that you know like the pharaoh's pharaoh's astrologers thought that they were going to get one over on the jews by by uh by telling Pharaoh that, uh, Moshe was born during Chodesh Adar and that water would be his downfall, but they didn't understand about Adar and there was two Adars. We always have like a way a, re- a way around it throughout our, with our own system that, um, we can thank our, our, our sages for that because they're very good at, at finding ways to, to, uh, bypass the problems. I'm trying to answer the question. I think I'm getting off topic. Think p- people, uh, people in the from community are afraid of what other people think. It's a very socially they they police their own community very harsh, uh, very stringently. I will say, and nobody wants to do anything that somebody will say, "Oh, that's weird, or it's not kosher, or, it's not right," because it affects you socially, which means it affects your children's chances of making a good marriage. And it's very. If people are curious and they want to know, I have many rabbis and many many, many clients who are from that community. And I'm recommended by word of mouth by them. So they don't go around telling people unless they ask. Right.
1: You mentioned death. And I, I know that again, it's not something that you look at, but is that information that you have? No. Okay. So death is not on the menu. It's not. something. I, that-
0: so I always look at people's charts when Whenever anybody dies, I look at their chart to see what is, what's up with their chart. And sometimes you see something that you can interpret as, oh, sometimes you don't see anything. I have this one friend, according to his chart, he should have been dead like four or five years ago. Every time I talk to him, I'm like, you know, according to astrology, you're, you're living way beyond your natural life because God is the one that has the power of life and death. It's not the stars. My understanding of astrology is not that they're causative, but that they're reflective. They reflect a reality. They don't make things happen, mm-hmm. okay? Which is very different than how the ancient world understood astrology. They thought of it as very fatalistic, like you can't escape your stars. Whereas the our, our real the, the height of Jewish astrology was really the medieval times, like the Ibn Ezra. Abraham Ibn Ezra, who was a great Torah commentator, was also a master astronomer and astrologer. He had these basic principles of astrology, which he laid out, you know, basically the rules, the rules of how to understand astrology. And one thing that we just don't do is talk to people about when they're going to die, whether or not they want to know. But what we should do is talk to people, warn them, if there's a situation that we can see that they should avoid for health and safety reasons. And that's the same thing as weather forecasting. If I would, was a weather forecaster and I knew that there was going to be a tornado, would I be a good person if I didn't tell you? Because that might be divination, no.
1: Right. So
0: when we see something in somebody's chart that indicates that, that certain kind of rough times might be ahead, and I will always tell them, but I will give them a solution. I'm not going to just let them hang because if you know something is coming, there's other parts of your chart that you can look at for clues and ideas of how to mitigate that kind of energy.
1: So obviously that's pertaining to weather, but is it also, does it also pertain to tragedies and certain crises that are happening in the world? And I yeah. uh, ask very specifically this one question, I, I don't know if I'm the only one thinking about this, but is it possible that you just use astrology to understand when something like October 7th might come up?
0: I've been doing the chart of the state of Israel for many, many years. I did, I, I usually do a forecast for the year, which I didn't do this year. And I'm really glad I didn't do it this year. the the for for a number of reasons, last year, I talked about how Israel was going to undergo an identity crisis, and that I proved it out like I always show my work. I don't just say things. I say because x, y, Z, I would love it if any other astrologer came along and gave me a different interpretation of that, which never really happens, but it would be kind of fun for me to have a conversation. You know with someone who could do that so there's there's a lot going on with the state of israel and i just want to be clear that there's a big difference between the jewish people Am yisrael and the modern state of israel that was born on may 14th, 1948 and has a natal chart just like the united states of america was born on july 4th 1776 at a certain time in a certain place and has a natal chart so any Meaning that if you can pinpoint the birth of something, that means you can do its chart. You can't do that with a people, like the people of Israel is a maternal people that you can't say has a chart, but the nation, modern Israel does. So I work with that chart a lot and I'm very concerned with um, what's going on right now. Of course, I lived in Israel for many years. All my friends lived there. I'm a Zionist, meaning that I believe that the that that the Israel is the national homeland for the Jewish people. That doesn't ex- exclude anyone else. It just means that it's our it's our Macomb, it's our place. Of course. Um, and I'm very concerned with the ongoing identity crisis that we're having right now. That's manifesting in in an in a entirely different thing. I will say this is that Pluto, a planet that was only just discovered, you know, in the 1930s, 1930, 1931, something like that, which is the planet of intense transformation, is about to enter Aquarius for the next 20 years. And Aquarius is the sign of the Jewish people. Because it's very funny, the sages say, we don't have a mazal. There is no there is no sign for the Jewish people, but if there was a sign, it would be Aquarius. Why? <laughs> That's so Jewish, right? There isn't, but if, it, if there was, it would be this, but it isn't, but it is, it's like okay,
1: that. Interesting. Yes. If, you quickly, if you could quickly explain why Aquarius is the closest to an astro- astrological sign for the because, Jews, that would be great. Because yeah.
0: everybody knows that, first of all, that uh, the Jewish people's planetary ruler is Saturn, which is Shabtai saturn is the planetary ruler of the Sabbath and all systems and again there's planetary rulers for the different days of the week in our system that differs from let's say the hellenistic or greek system so but all systems agree no matter what system that saturn is the is the planet of saturday the sabbath Shabtai. so saturn is the classical ruler of aquarius and capricorn but in this case aquarius is the deli or the water bucket and the Yisachar says that the bucket is the servant of the water like the jewish people are the servant of the torah so the bucket serves the water like can i give you more water i'm not saying serve like bow down before it and then let me bring you bonbons and feed them to you not that kind of service serving like a, like i'm going to serve you some water The Jewish people aren't servants of Torah. We're supposed to serve up Torah, okay? It's our job to be the deli, the water bucket. And to, when we're doing our job, it's all harmonious. When we're not doing our job, things go bad. And we see that day in and day out.
1: It's very fascinating. Lorelai, I think you've given everyone here so much to think about. And I I, want to thank you again for being on this podcast, taking these 30 minutes to educate us on this concept that really deserves hours and hours and years and years of time. That was a big jump of units of time there. But anyway, you get the point. For those who are listening, be sure to check out myjewishstars.com to learn more about Lorelai's work and how she is able to create your chart. And I'm really excited to learn more about this. So Lorelai, thanks again for being on Bad Jew.
0: Thank you so much, Chaz.
1: And Chodesh mm-hmm. Prouds. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And for the listeners out there, be sure to subscribe to Bad Jew. Tune in next week to learn more about our exciting episodes. Shalom.